0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of The Extreme Exchange, the third season, second episode. This time, it features two of my friends from BMT, Xavier and Tim, and today we talk about things like death, mortality, the afterlife, and meaning, what it means to have a meaningful life, and just what the definition of meaning is in general. Unfortunately, the video got messed up, so this episode is only going to have audio. Nonetheless, I found our conversation extremely insightful and interesting. I hope you enjoy. We're talking about death today. Um, mortality, more specifically, and what to do in, in spite of it. And I know that it's slightly religious in nature, although not fully, uh, which is, I mean, afterlife is always religious. Lah, so, um, But I'm happy to discuss other types of afterlives and then i mean i always like to say that it has nothing to do with what you actually believe or not you you can discuss concepts regardless of what your actual beliefs are so yeah um mortality affects everybody everybody has to die someday um yeah i just want to start by saying does does it scare you guys
1: like death itself assume that's an afterlife or whatever i think i'm at peace with the idea of death but I also think that being scared of death comes with realising what your purpose is in life. I think the real fear with death comes from things unaccomplished and what you weren't able to do in life and potential regrets. And I don't think I'm at a point yet where I know so firmly what I want to do and want to accomplish in my time on earth that I'd be remorseful if I, wouldn't be, um, if I wasn't able to accomplish it. So it's more like you don't really know what you would have lost. Yeah.
0: But that's not the idea of, like, the fact that there is potential at all. You know, even if you don't really know what the potential is. The fact that there is lost potential. So, like,
2: the fear of the potential itself being lost. That's terrifying Mm -hmm. itself, isn't it? Yeah.
0: At least for (laughs) me, I mean, I I share a similar sentiment to you about uh, not knowing what I could have lost. But at the same time, it's like, the fact that you're losing something is still,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I think that's also contingent. On the question as to whether or not you know there is an inherent meaning to what you're doing right like mm. i don't know I, I i frequently fluctuate um between the notion that there must be some grand ideal that your life is aspiring towards mm. and the converse that you know a good life is just living right and enjoying the moment
0: yeah i think we can some time on what a good life looks like so let's say we have a finite amount of time on earth and you can do whatever you want in this life, right? What would you say is 10th
2: uh, to a good life? I mean, okay, have you heard of something called the Pleasure Principle? I'm um, not really, can you the Pleasure Principle? What's the inverse of the Harm Principle? No, it's like the, um, let me explain this. It's, uh, it's the idea that, I mean, meaningful life can be based, okay, I don't think I'm saying it correctly, mm. but it's like the idea that pursuit of a meaningful life is based on the pursuit of pleasure itself so it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's hedonistic or like pure love but it's the pursuit of pleasure itself Hmm. and you can define pleasure as anything that is
1: that
2: is that feels good yeah so i guess
1: it's the utilitarian problem right you're using a utilitarian utilitarian metric to quantify Mm -hmm. what a good life is you know it maximizes pleasure but
2: that's maximize pleasure, minimize
1: pain. Mm, yeah, mm. maximize p- pleasure, minimize pain. But it's always it lacks the qualitative aspect to say what is pleasure.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, but then what's uh
0: what would be like a different perspective to that then? Like if if your goal isn't to maximize pleasure, minimize pain, what could a different goal possibly be? Okay, I mean maximise pain, minimize pleasure, although it is an option, I don't think anybody would. It's the most logical part you know. of the past release is least resistance, right? Mm, correct, correct. And anyway, you could always argue that if you're pursuing pain instead of pleasure, you actually derive You take pleasure, pleasure and yeah, pain. Correct. you so masochist. At the end of the day, it's still, still pleasure. Then,
2: then it's not pain anymore, it's
1: just mm. pleasure,
0: isn't mm, correct. it? Correct. Yeah. So, I, I would suggest that maybe a, a, an alternative lifestyle would be uh, duty, maybe. So, some things are not pleasurable, but uh, people still pursue. Yeah. Duty. What do you like think? Duty to your country.
2: Like duty in itself.
0: Yeah, maybe like uh, duty, and uh, maybe your country, your family.
2: I mean, some people would
0: lead uh, a life of uh, strife
2: just to make sure that other people's lives are better. Because people like attach purpose and meaning into objects of other people, and they derive meaning from the actions they do mm. for them others. Or, like, for the items they wish to acquire, be power, like, the love for their loved ones. I think those are like what drives most people in that sense. So, the principle it boils down to then is,
1: in essence, a, li- a life well lived is the life where you have most impact on whatever you think you have an obligation to or a duty to. So, life where you help others most in a certain aspect to mm. wh- whomever you think you have a duty to or some kind of moral obligation to. Okay, actually you raised a uh, impact, which I realise
0: is you can you can live a pleasurable life but have no impact on the world. So like you could live your whole life in a basement where maybe you're hooked up to a pleasure machine for example. The Matrix. <laughs> matrix yeah, but the, you, you've never made a real impact on society or something like that. Yeah, then whereas maybe on the flip side you uh, Made a huge impact, but uh, didn't get to enjoy as many things as you could have. Yeah, I would think you know I actually think that people working in like parliament and government service, they are to some extent doing that because it means that their own personal goals in life maybe they could be like like billionaires.
1: Okay, they could be very successful people outside. Uh, well you they have to remember to... in singapore they are millionaires yeah, that's they true. are already millionaires okay, let's, let's not talk about money maybe <laughs> uh, maybe,
0: maybe they could be like uh inventors or something like that uh, pursue their own dreams like essentially
1: but instead they chose to uh dedicate and devote their life to that's yeah, so lee Sian long wanted to be a mathematician really yeah. uh, he got first in Cambridge math wow that's and then he became honest. an rd officer <laughs> Calculate trajectory <laughs> Yeah,
0: I don't know. Okay, so I mean, we would you say that is similar to the idea of a uh, carpe diem? So like uh, seizing the day, essentially. So we can talk about meaningful life. We can also talk about meaningful day. And I think this is relevant because uh, the fact that nobody knows when they're gonna die means that tomorrow could be your last day, and that means that you would want to live today as if tomorrow was your last day lah, right? Uh, so,
1: I don't know, does, does it apply to uh, a meaningful day, you think? I think, okay, I've always thought of carpe diem with like, have you heard of Nietzsche's idea idea of lightness and happiness? No. So, okay, I think Nietzsche didn't coin the idea of lightness, but it was in a book I've recently read. Have you read The Unbearable Lightness of Being? No. So essentially, it has this dichotomy between lightness or heaviness, and there are mm. these abstract philosophical notions. Nietzsche coins this idea of heaviness where it's this idea of eternal return. Imagine mm. if lives were infinite as a thought experiment, not actual reincarnation, even though there's some philosophical debate on whether mm. you know, eternal return really exists. Wait, so you mean like immortality, right? No, immortality, meaning things happen cyclically. You kept repeating right. the same life. Oh, okay. You kept okay. repeating the same choices. You know the problem with history and thing actions that are already done are that you can't isolate what you change, right? You can't isolate variables. But imagine that you could repeat every single day. Imagine like as if it were like Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Have you watched Groundhog Day? Yeah, I know. So in essence, it's like Groundhog Day, and Nietzsche coined this thought experiment in the Gay Science, right? And he's like, okay, so what would happen if you relived your life innumerable times? Would it bring you immense joy, or the most soul-crushing emptiness? Would you remember the every most, life, every yeah. cycle? Or the most soul-crushing emptiness that you could ever experience, But you'd be locked right? into carrying, carrying out every single decision you've made in every past life. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think the mental fatigue of doing that's the consideration. It's... Mm. Maybe like more of uh, how would you feel having to watch your life over and over again. I think what Nisha is getting at, right, is the weight of responsibility, of making decisions over and over again. Um, and Kundera makes this like example. like So he coins the example of the French Revolution, right? So his historians praise revolutions in the French Revolution because they made sacrifices, and they were heroic, and they overcame tyranny, right? But what if they kept repeating that? The decision to rebel and revolt and pe- people's head in the guillotine was made over and over again right would historians look on them um in the same positive light or is the perception of them and the positive nature of what they did inherent to the fact that it was only done once hmm. which is the philosophical idea of lightness where you accept a lack of ultimate meaning in life and instead live for momentary beauty right this idea of ephemeral beauty where you assign meaning because things only happen once. Your life is beautiful and meaningful because it's fleeting. Your actions in the present are meaningful because you do it once.
2: Are those mutually exclusive things? That so you can't you can't have one without the other, or like? Can they I both mean, exist? it's it's a thought experiment, so I don't think it's speaking in practicalities. Well, I mean if you're thinking about applying it to our daily lives i wouldn't i wouldn't think it's mutually exclusive in that sense Mm, what's mutually exclusive like the idea that you can't you can live your life by enjoying both the ephemeral parts and the parts that keep repeating you know Mm, okay but i don't think
1: repetition in life is necessarily the same thing as eternal return because it's not identical right you can have a repetitive day but still live in the moment and enjoy the uniqueness of every single day like even though you do more or less the same thing every day in camp right you can still live in the moment and enjoy that you'll only be at this point in time in this place doing this exact thing once in your life and it's beautiful because of that mm. and i don't know i think that's the essence of carpe diem to me
0: so if you could uh maybe summarize what you think carpe diem like means
1: mm, i i mean i think it's just that um i think it's this idea of lightness as could but with its significance contracted, uh, contrasted against heaviness, that essentially, even though there may be inherent lack of ultimate meaning within life, right? Living for the momentary beauty that the finite nature of life grants mm. is where you derive significance from.
2: Okay. So the fact that it only happens once. Yeah. Gives it meaning. So how you can never enjoy the same sun that sunset you just saw? Yeah, happening. exactly. Mm-hmm. The fact that life is finite gives Mm. it
1: significance yeah i mean okay that's actually one of the alternatives
0: alternatives to death that i didn't consider because i i mentioned i or rather i brainstormed into uh, no afterlife um, the standard heaven and hell reincarnation but there's a fourth which is like what you laid out just
2: now kind Mm -hmm. of uh, but i
1: think it's part and parcel with no afterlife Oh you mean like Eternal Return Yeah, yeah the Eternal Return I think that's yeah. similar to That's no afterlife Reincarnation
2: But that's not an afterlife video I don't
1: think i it I don't think It's really an existential consideration It's more of a thought experiment I mean there is an argument For Eternal Return It's just that There's finite energy And finite matter Within the universe So there can only be So many combinations Of the two And with infinite time Things will inevitably repeat
2: Hmm
1: but I mean, even Pi has repeating segments, right? I think that's the argument in favour of Eternal Return but I don't think that's salient to the discussion.
2: Okay. Hmm. Chupin, I'm quite curious. Why do you want to know about like all these, especially about your mortality and about the, the fact of whether the afterlife exists or not, how it affects people? Like, mm. do you want to find out how people use that knowledge and apply it to, how does it influenced their actions in their lives? Is that what you're aiming at? Actually, okay, so to start off, it kind of feels more like I want to know
0: uh, how people react to different kinds of afterlives. Because everybody has different views on what happens after they die, right? Some people think there's nothing, some people think it's heaven or hell. I mean, specifically with heaven or hell, um, it's terrible to threaten people with hell, la, but at the same time, if you have in mind that there's a chance that you're going to hell, um, your, I would say one of your key pursuits in life would be to make sure you don't end up there, la. Um, yeah, so you would try and figure out what constitutes a good life, and good life, in, not in the sense that we are trying to enjoy what we can, but more of, how do I, how do I be good enough that I can make it to have a, that kind of good. Yeah, and so um, that's one of the things. Reincarnation is similar in your actions because, I mean, I, I would think that the idea of reincarnation is that the, the better your previous life. The better you are. Yeah, I think it always comes with some form yeah. of karma, exists. Well. Correct. Yeah, and I, I mean, as with most religious uh, ideals, the point is to
2: be a good person, essentially. I mean, it's, it's one of the it's two, a shape. Oh, I mean, their definition of the good person. Mm. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, wait. Have you thought? Have you heard this story called the egg story of the egg? No. It's the guy who okay. wrote oh, yeah, The Martian. No, yeah. It's about how. There's the Kuz Kaza episode, right? Yeah, yeah, And how. Oh, okay, okay. It's yes, about, I, the egg. It's sorry, about you how to like, live yeah. every single human life. You've lived every single human life. Mm. And you are every single thing evil that's happened on this earth. Yeah, and yes, every yes, single yes. good that's happened on this earth. Okay, remember that episode? It's the idea of Infinite Possibilities. Stuff, my I my watched it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good story mm. that, right. yeah, that I, I oh read. My. Remember when I when I
0: watched the Curse Bazaar video, I was like, the twist at the end when they tell you it you're actually everybody. I was like, is
2: everything yeah. everywhere all at once? Yeah, <laughs> You do you watch? Yeah, did watch, watch it? No idea. I wanted to watch, but like, I didn't have any time. It's good. It's good. You should watch it. I, I would. Right, like, I really it. liked it. It's a trip, bro. It's
0: like it's like a trip, <laughs> trip movie. It's quite trippy, but at the same time, bro, it's 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 leagues above multi yeah. madness. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <Bruh>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, to answer your question, uh, first, I want to know how people behave based on that. I mean, okay, let's say uh, a religious person is living his life uh, solely because he doesn't want to disappoint God, let's say, right? And for some reason, he was able to verify in the end that there is no afterlife, that God isn't real and that nothing you do on this earth has any implication where you go after you die. Will he change his behavior? Will he suddenly say, well, all this time I've been trying to please God, so now that I know God doesn't exist, I'm just going to please myself, essentially. Yeah. You know, is, is, there, is there a difference? And and not only for other people, but does it apply to myself as well?
1: You know, yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I, for many religious people, it becomes absolute, right? There's religion or nihilism. Mm-hmm. I've met very few religious, like, in church you often hear... I think for a lot of people like deontological maxims come in contradiction to come in contradiction to religion. So a lot of times in church you'll hear um, you know outside utilitarianism there's very little justification for uh, principled arguments other than some form of religion other than some form of higher goods. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's understandable if you come from a completely religious standpoint, right? If you started from the perspective that there is absolute good in the world, and for some reason the converse were to be made apparent to you, I guess the logical response would be nihilism, right?
0: Mm.
1: Or the
2: reasonable
0: response we A reasonable it, it response If you
2: read Voltaire's um optimism no i haven't why it's about the we you know about the philosophy of optimism yeah, you can explain maybe, maybe it's uh okay i guess i read um i think it was Kendi by Voltaire. it was talking about this guy who believed that um everything in the world is meant to be good so he just lives by that principle while everything around him just does does not go his way but he just mm. stumbles through life like his whole adventure while just thinking that you know it just works out and so, he just thinks that it's all according to god's plan oh okay yeah i was gonna ask it like similar to
1: uh, whatever so whatever happens is meant to happen and yeah don't okay. we'll look it up it's quite interesting well, that's interesting so that's in contrast like the other i guess the alternative narrative just to that is have you read um, the stranger like the day yeah. a- U- a- for I B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the outside, yeah. right? the yeah, outside. Correct.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I guess it's the reverse of that, right? Should I smoke a cigarette or kill myself? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Where, you know, when you lose this conception of absolute good or mm. balance of inherent good and evil in the world, then life becomes random and arbitrary. Yeah. But there's a. I remember
0: okay. that um, I did look up. Whether there's a difference between nihilism and absurdism. So oh, okay. absurdism is the is the key like philosophy or, or tenet. The key tenet of yeah, the stranger. Yeah, correct. The stranger, right. And it's not the same as nihilism. Uh, but wow, well, I can't remember what exactly.
1: No, absurdism is, is reconciling um you know being a sentient creature living within a cruelly indifferent world, right?
0: Hmm.
1: I think it's like accepting the fact that it's Meaningless, meaningless and still and still striving to find meaning yeah, regardless.
0: Correct, something like that whereas nihilism is just giving up there's right? no meaning yeah correct but i mean again uh, when we talk about nihilism well i find it hard to uh, use a non-religious argument against nihilism it's like me trying to explain to a nihilist why uh, living as a nihilist is bad there is no there is no
2: ground that I can work on that's similar to his that will I mean, the, I guess I would say, what is your alternative? As for Like him. what is his alternative then? If you are going to live life by pretending it's meaningless hmm. And just like, I would say it's, you're just being sore about it Like I think it's just like overthinking some situations like You don't have to just because you think Oh yeah, God doesn't this is meaningless Then I should live a meaningful life Like hmm there are like things that people enjoy like hobbies and like different interests they can pursue and even though like you know playing playing golf to a competitive level does not offer any constructive value to the world but people still pursue it anyway because they find enjoyment in it mm. and people enjoy watching people play golf mm. and like it's meaningless but it doesn't change the fact that people ultimately still enjoy things they enjoy doing you know mm. and like yeah. it's a bit it's just the fact that, you know, you're just being uh what can I call it lazy. <laughs> it's not an excuse to be lazy, but yeah. it's just that it just didn't really it doesn't really click with me, the idea of nihilism. Mm. Mm. Yeah, okay, I'll, midway
0: while you we were talking, I was gonna ask you uh for a nihilist, right? Uh like why not? Like because you asked you, you you said that you would tell the nihilist, uh you should still pursue uh, that which is meaningful, or at least try to do something, not be lazy. But then, I mean, they could easily respond with why not. But then, as you kept on talking, you you, you talked about um, specific examples. Then I realised that there is still evidence for meaning, or, or at least some semblance of meaning. Like, like, when I play a sport, right, and I'm like deeply engaged in it, that's evidence for me that there is uh,
1: well, some meaning to be found in, in, in anything at all. Right? But is this merely a human chemical response occurring mm. in our brain? Is it merely a construct, or is, this mm. inherent, is there inherent meaning to this? Mm, right, so, so it's, it's the idea of like re- reducing the biology, essentially, right? Yeah, do you think it's you know purely chemical coercion, right? Do you think you're mm. perceiving meaning,
2: or do you think inherent meaning exists within the world? It depends on what meaning is, If Meaning is defined as the result of biological, like chemical reactions that create your uh, happy feeling or happy sensation from doing something that has meaning. Versus, like we define meaning as something that's transcendental, transcendental mm. like transcends the the biology of yeah. humans. Yeah. That in itself is a whole different conversation, really. Mm. It argues the idea of the um, existence of the soul, I guess, in a sense. Mm. Yeah, but that's yeah. a whole different rabbit hole. You know?
0: But but actually, to respond to that, I would just raise like, like uh Descartes. I think that's I am because um, the mere fact that there is something to be experienced,
2: uh, like, tells you that it's 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 above the biological level. i would say that even if yeah. the the biological aspect exists, like even if it, that's the case, what does it change? It doesn't mm. change anything that you are still deriving a certain emotion that is considered a positive for yourself and just because it's biological doesn't change the fact that it is good for you mm. by, by most reasonable means but i think to some extent uh,
0: people think that if it's biological it's less impressive or at least it's less i don't know uh transcendental essentially like, like if 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 everything were to be reducible to biology um, it, it 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 seems to me like that that's the reason why there's a there's dichotomy between science and religion. It's because people think that if you can explain everything with science, then religion is 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 a phony. It's like it's like if if I can explain with bio, God doesn't exist because it's all it's all material it's all matter. But at least for me, the the way I've tried to reconcile it is that um, God works through his creation In a sense that The way God
2: uh, Affects the world Is with the world And that so is the me- is, Like our biology Is yeah. just the medium In which it occurs Yeah yeah Exactly that's Actually that's true. Actually I think how um, You know Thomas Aquinas hmm. He's like this scientist And uh, he's like A Catholic guy, A Catholic yeah. priest yeah. At the same time So like So I was reading a book And it kind of argues that He argues that The scientific method Reconciles with the idea Of God and the soul So it's like you know, when you use scientific method, you are mm. experimenting or testing um, actions, objects, and testing their yeah, reactions to prove the validity of a hypothesis yeah, and result. Yeah. Right. So okay, it's like so. When I read, it uh, it said that you know how a metal detector only detects metals in the sand, mm-hmm. but does it disprove the fact that diamonds do not exist in the sand? Just because you the metal de- so detect- detector. In essence, we don't know detects. what we don't know. Yes. Mm. In essence, if you argue that the soul doesn't exist because it can't be proven by science, it's simply is because there is no way to prove that a soul exists. Mm. So it's not that um, the idea of a soul cannot coexist with the idea of of science, science. existing. Yeah. Simply yeah. because there is no empirical way as of yet to mm. um, determine or value what a soul is. Mm. Yeah. yeah,
0: I have to admit it's a it's one of those like unsatisfying cop answers, but it's true. It's a cop answer, yeah, yeah, but it's true, yeah. You have to admit that that is valid, but
2: just unsatisfying. That's all. But I found it to be quite um, an enlightening way of explaining how that um, these kind of how say transcend transcendental concepts can still exist despite the fact that we live in an age where a lot of things are proven with detectors Hmm. or like methods of analysis. Yeah, correct. Mm. Find it quite a a good explanation that Mm. you know would satisfy some people.
1: So then, what would your conception of a transcendental meaning to life be though it's um, some notion of a high either some notion of a higher power or an inherent way to ascertain good or bad right we are soon we assume, sorry what's your question again? so we're talking about you know there has to be more to life right some yes. transcendental form of meeting meaning, meaning yes, to to combat nihilism yeah yeah what would that look like for you though
0: um, or some
1: mm, not necessarily what you believe in or What conception, what's your conception of this? I personally think that there are multiple
0: levels of transcendental, as in, there are more realms than the physical realm. And it's not the physical realm and one other, it's the physical realm and maybe um, the experiential realm. And then, uh, like, I think math is a realm on its own. Like, 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 the whole is, is- Created or discovered. Yeah, it's math, created or discovered, right? And if, I mean, nobody believes that math was yeah, like created. Back, back to
2: Descartes and the whole rationalist school of thought. Mm. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Or like how math is just a way for us to better perceive the world. Yeah, It's just a realm of, a means of, exist. it's like a tool. Mm. Yeah, you know? correct. So and how we suspects yeah. specs mm. to see better. Or like a microscope, yeah. I'll explain it. Something like that. It's a tool with which you perceive the world differently. Mm.
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, that, that for me... The thing is, it's, it's it's hard to prove with the tools that we have now, which is science. Lah. Because I feel like science is a, is a two-dimensional tool trying to prove three dimensions. It just feels too limited, yeah. But the thing is, science has been put on such a high pedestal, and for good reason. Um, that it it seems like something like uh, philosophy maybe it
2: is not as good of a tool uh, to you know prove the existence of. the place. Yeah, I, I find I think I find it quite interesting that you said the word feel mm. in your your, your statement. like I think I find it quite interesting that, like, why would you use the word? Um, what 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 made you feel that that science is limited in its way it can perceive the world? Curious about it.
0: I'd say it's because um, if you use something in the material world to explore, you will only be able to
1: generate answers within the material world. Um, What's yeah. similar is Kant's notion of primary mm-hmm. and secondary characteristics, right? Nomina and phenomenon, they're, thing, they're unobservables in the world that science can, mm, yeah, just can't correct. explain. I mean, it's, 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 it's quite funny, top ten
0: questions, I still can't explain, but yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, and I mean, this idea of unobservables, right, that there are forces at work that are just outside the realm of human perception ever, right? Yeah. And I mean, this seems like quite abstract and philosophical and bullshit, but it's true, right, because higher, ex- higher dimensions do exist, but we struggle to perceive them more than they're after effects, right? We can uh, we can perceive symptoms of them, but we can't actually perceive higher divine. Not not only perceive, but experiment on experiment, yeah. perceive, experience. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Correct. You know that reminds me of like this. I this, like this idea that something can only be truly divine by the fact that you cannot tr- you cannot comprehend it. Mm. You know, because the fact that it is divine means that it's beyond our own realm of understanding. So, by nature of it being divine, we just simply cannot understand it, no matter how much we strive towards it. Okay, but
0: I want to add also that um, despite this, I do think that even if it's divine, it should still be explainable, just that not comprehensible, if you get what I mean. Explainable, but not comprehensible. Yeah, so like, 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 you can't just make one plus one equals to three. Okay. okay. <laughs> does that does that make sense? Yeah. I, I. It's like how a concept can be completely logical, just that you don't get it. Yeah. So you can't comprehend
1: the concept, but, but the you, argument exists. But it,
0: and and it works. And it works. Yeah.
1: Okay. So back back to rationalism, Yeah. Okay. It's just the notion that. What's the argument that there's a logical structure to reality, and we're merely here to perceive it, and mm. we can understand that it works, but not how, or not mm. comprehend how? Yeah, I mean it's a varying degrees so. though. Yeah, that was it. And Locke's proof. I think it was math was Locke's proof of it. So Locke uses um, math as proof that our universe and our reality is a logical structure. Right, mm. the fact that we can prove things in math, yeah, then we physically cannot experiment with. Mm we can ascertain physical laws using math that we'll never actually be able to experience or perceive in real life.
2: Kind of itself to... Um... Okay, so, back to what I was reading. So it was about how... Um, so, um, we have something called intellectual knowledge, right? So, what your, so you were saying then was like, how it's trans- it transcends over how we perceive the world, right? In a, in a certain sense. So like, so the H2O and energy is like, you know, we know, like our intellectual knowledge knows that liquid steam and ice itself, it exists as the same constituents, like it's H2O, the element, but H2O not the element, the compound, but like you can observe that under different temperature conditions, you know, ice reverts back to, ice reverts back to water, steam reverts back to water through the transfer of heat, you know, but um, this process of understanding is non-material in itself. It transcends the the idea of the material sense. The yeah, process of understanding. How, how so? Mm. Okay. Would you say that if you were only a material being, you could only be united with things in only a material way? United as in I can only be conjoined with things in a material <coughs> way if what, what's you what's conjoined oh, yes though, okay I, I get touch that. physically no more like have a relationship whatever also interact that. with yes because if yes. you were a purely material being you could only have a relationship with things a not in a material way hmm. but if the idea of intellectual knowledge transcending your material mm-hmm. senses exists you cannot be a purely material being because uh You can only have non-material unity with the fact that knowledge, existence of knowledge Mm.
1: So it's kind of like, I mean it's epistemology right? The fact that we can know things that we can't experience with uh, sense perception Yeah yeah yeah
2: Inference, right? Yeah Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really, I'm kind of butchering the the explanation of it but I think this was really uh, something I read when I was reading about uh, Thomas Aquinas and how he tried to rationalize the idea between science and existence of religion and God itself. I think that's really interesting. Mm. Interesting, so the idea of us being intellectual beings, inherent
1: knowledge, and then we can get into the whole poverty of stimulus argument and stuff like that. Wait, but how, okay, this seems kind of cliched for this kind of discussion, but how did we get here? Like how does this relate to the conception of a good life or the conception of how you react? Mm.
0: I guess we were just talking about like we went into we talked about like nihilism and then we talked about meaning and then whether meaning exists and how to prove that meaning exists. That's why we ended up on biology
1: and <laughs> how to and the material and non-material. Yeah, that, that's where we ended up. Okay, so what so, so what's the implication of rationalism on meaning? If we're beings that exist beyond a physical plane and we exist as intellects and there's we can perceive the logical structure of the universe and we have inherent knowledge and stuff like that what is what's then the impact of that or the implication of that on our conception of meaning in a good life
0: oh i mean i i thought at least it was quite uh, evident to me that if you can prove that there is meaning beyond the material
1: world, then nihilism should be quite easily invalid. But why does rationalism lead to meaning? Like, you can still contemplate things beyond a physical plane, and there can still be existence at a higher level than just biology, but things can still be meaningless, right? But is there not the meaning of meaning? Like, okay, meaning. Ma- maybe my definition of meaning is different from yours, but...
0: My, when I think about meaning, I think about um, uh, Interactions at a plane that is beyond physical yeah.
2: The abstract meaning that, mm. So you, so you are, I guess you're trying to say that there's an abstract There's an absolute ideal of Abstract idea of that a meaning exists for every single human and That a single concept of a meaningful life exists for every one of us No matter how different we are yeah i mean a meaningful life doesn't have to look exactly the same but uh, there's an abstract
1: notion of it that correct. exists somewhere yeah yeah but okay but just because we can exist in the abstract i'm it's unclear to me what the link to meaning is the mm. ability to think in abstract and understand that something exists you can ira- interact with things beyond just a physical mm. level right on planes higher mm. than a physical yeah, I, I get level. your it's unclear what the relation to meaning is for me because it sta- still stands to reason that you can understand all these things right you can understand that you know you are able to contemplate interactions on a higher plane and you're not just the sum total of your parts and matter mm-hmm. and energy and life can still be meaningless right okay then i will ask what the definition of I- meaning is yeah i i guess that's that's the question that still stands because playing the devil's advocate After that whole rationalist argument and establishing that you know, we can exist as beings that are more than just the sum of our parts, right? I still think a nihilist would say so what? Hmm. What is the so what? It's a cop-out, right? Isn't it kind of a so what itself? I guess, no, because then I would simply
0: ask the nihilist what is he looking for then Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna posit that there is no meaning then there has to be, uh, you have to give me something I can point to you that is meaning. So, you know, what, what, what would be your definition of meaning? Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to like grill you, but yeah, I'm just curious to know if, if you don't see that, uh, transcendental concepts are meaning in of themselves, then what exactly constitutes meaning?
1: Do you? Fair enough.
2: Hmm.
1: I do think meaning has plays, involves more than just this idea of transcendentalism, even though it's a key component of it. I do think it also brings in an ethical debate, right? Because transcendentalism isn't prescriptive, it doesn't tell you what you should do with your life. Mm -hmm. And I do think that meaning requires a certain prescriptive nature, right? Wow, okay.
0: No, I, I would disagree because really? you, okay. Look, for me, uh, when I think about doing something meaningful, think about something that I am deeply engaged with. Something that um, it's it's akin to when I when I forget about the troubles that are that are at hand, and I'm I'm focused, and I am uh, engaged into the thing, and that's that's a a meaningful experience for me, and so. Um, That's not something that I, uh, that I. That's not something that I. What's the word for it? That I prescribe for myself. It's something that, you
1: could even say that it it. It emerged from within me, uh, if you get what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, I do think at some fundamental level. It does belie a principle that is fundamentally prescriptive, right? The the principle is that you want to create something or you want to do something that brings you meaning in this wider sense and that more meaning is better than no meaning. But just yeah. contemplating it itself doesn't satisfy this principle, right? Just being able to contemplate these things doesn't in itself bring meaning to you, right? And I think it's really hard to talk about it in term- in abstract. Mm. But it's like saying, just because you're able to contemplate what things would bring you joy or what things would bring you fulfilment, doesn't bring fulfilment in itself, right? Because the underlying mm. principle is you have to do these things and you have to do more of these things and that's prescriptive, right? Mm. And it sounds like kind of a cop-out, but it- That's just to establish that there is some form of principle at play, however vague it is, which is still prescriptive. You want to do more of whatever you decide is fulfilling rather than just existing and perceiving it. And that's at its very
2: base level, right? I mean, because a meaningful life cannot be derived by simply talking about what a meaningful life should be but in the fact that you must act and in conduct with the principles which you define what a meaningful life is. Yeah. So I What is thought is meaningless if you don't practice, you don't act in the way you believe how meaningful life should
1: be. Yeah, so I do think we've arrived at an interesting question, right? Whatever your conception of a meaningful life is, is it prescriptive?
0: Mm. Well, I, I guess the only answer that I have to that is that it is... Uh, I am somehow intrinsically motivated to 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 pursue this meaning. Yeah, it's it's. I guess I don't really have an explanation for why we crave meaningful experiences.
1: But, uh, yeah. Right. So then that it was that was leading me to. So do you think a conception of meaning is then? Contingent on a belief in the existence of good and evil. Not necessarily good and... Ooh. I think these are very... Stark, opaque terms we can discuss. Mm. It, it can be construed however you like, but the idea of... Objectivity. The idea that an objective good exists. And the idea that something... That objective moral or ethical standards, or whatever standards exist, that you can aspire towards. Mm. Do you think these standards... Do you think you first have to agree on the premise of these standards to then believe that there's an inherent meaning to life? Or can it exist in the absence of these standards? Because then I think those are what what I think the two components of meaning are. The acceptance of the premise that there are objectives and standards, there are objective standards in existence, be it good or evil or whatever your conception of these objective standards are, and your idea of transcendentalism, mm. and the ability to perceive more than the physical mm. plane and stuff like that. I, I, I understand where, you're, where you were leading to now. Yeah, and it's a... Uh,
0: mm. Okay, that, that's why that's why you were trying to stress that uh, whatever I was talking about is rationalist,
1: right? Mm. And, uh, and, I, I think it's a necessary condition, but not a sufficient condition. Mm. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Okay, right now, uh,
0: the only way I can answer or rather try and formulate an answer. If like I can ask myself whether... Uh, if there is no such thing as good and evil, can there still be meaning? But the thing is, when I refer back to... being engaged in my sports, for example, that's not necessarily a good or evil thing. It's just... It's just...
1: a thing. It's, it's neutral. Just, yeah, correct. It's neutral. It's I mean... highly neutral. Yeah. But then... I guess, okay, it's whether you delve into this idea of, am I, two things again, am age just enjoying this sport at a purely physical and biological level, hmm. or two, again, is there something transcendental? Am I perceiving hmm. this experience of sports more than purely just a physical experience? Hmm. And if the latter is true, then what about this more than physical experience hmm. am I appreciating? Yes, okay. Is it the sense of camaraderie? Which then would be a sense of objective good, a sense of camaraderie is better than no sense of camaraderie. Is it the sense of competitiveness, you know, getting ahead of life, and a sense of progression is better than no progression? Okay, yes. Because if then your conception of life would be, all these things are absolutely meaningless, then sports kind of seems arbitrary and useless, right? Yeah, even if it evokes that kind of... Uh, even if it evokes that kind okay. of physical okay. response. Or if you say, you know, I'm purely enjoying it at a physical level, then that's something quite easy to accept, right? But then are you just enjoying the dopamine and not actually finding meaning
2: in it? Yeah, I mean, to put it into terms, I'll ask you, what would it change if you found out that none of that, if it was simply purely created the dopamine in your head? Would it change, Mm. would it make you not play sports anymore? What would you do? Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't think it would deter me from We wouldn't it. care, yeah. right? We would just continue yeah.
0: doing it. I think uh to extend your question, right? It could be something like if um if the ethical realm didn't exist, but the
1: experiential realm still mm-hmm. did. Yeah, exactly. Is it can there be meaning? Mm. Okay. Or would we just be you know, intelligences floating around for no apparent reason? Mm -hmm. and oftentimes right I think that's like you see I mean I think this is (coughs) oversimplifying the equation but you hear you know I think this is what happens you know people often talk about the curse of high intellect and it often (coughs) is brought about because issues become more complex and more grey and things no longer seem black and white but you're still able to perceive things at a higher level and in fact an even higher level right And ironically, life becomes more and more, well, some studies show life becomes more and more inherently meaningless the more intelligent you get, because you can perceive more things on an experiential plane, but conversely, morality becomes more and more great. Hmm. And then you just seem to be an intelligence existing for the sake of intelligence with no inherent meaning. I don't know, I think that's an apt example, like the intelligence paradox. Like ignorance is bliss, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so
0: I am still. I'm still inclined to believe that meaning exists without the ethical realm. Uh, it. It's no longer a, an ethical form of meaning, I guess. Yeah, I. I I, I still think that our definition of meaning is different and and maybe it's time for me to change what I mean by meaning but uh yeah when when I okay, like let's say let's say we take the literal definition of meaning as in like giving something uh, uh, wow what's a synonym for meaning it's a cre- but you create it right isn't it yeah. the fact that I mean, it's, it's a construct like, not i mean regardless of whether it's a construct or not it exists beyond the physical realm uh, yeah i i like, I see food, maybe, not as... Not, sort of Okay, let's say uh, I see a lion. Not as a lion, but as danger. And the fact that I perceive it as danger means that I give it some form of meaning. Um, and, and you don't have to think about it in ethical terms because danger is... is you, I could easily just say, like... Uh, it's just self-preservation. Yeah, correct. I, 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 could, I could easily oh, okay, replace Okay, see. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I do think so we have different, mean, mm, different so, meanings for me. So, if I can abstract something uh, above the material realm. For me, that's, well, that's giving something uh, meaning. And and now I see that, okay, it's not as, uh, it seems to. okay, I'm not using the same uh, definition of meaning, let's say,
1: uh, as what? So what, what I'm thinking of doing? is like, meaning to life, right? Like, mm. if you were to boil it down, it's like, an imperative you live for mm, okay. if you do want to posit that the universe there is some rhyme and reason to the universe and it isn't just arbitrary randomness mm. and what you're doing isn't just arbitrary randomness Okay then I think you also be akin to a purpose
0: Principle based Yeah, something like it fulfills a certain purpose that was assigned to you uh, that is apart from you, that is
1: not... Yeah, is it? Is am I getting there right? Yeah, but... Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I thought we were discussing, but I'm curious, how, how does your concept of... What relation does your concept of meaning have to, like, existentialism though? Because that um, was, like, our starting point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, perhaps my definition of meaning was slightly... It's like an amalgamation of, of um, whatever you're referring to and whatever I was referring to. Yeah, so, and, and maybe to some extent I was confusing the two because they're all transcendental so I just lumped them into one, like, uh, you know, heap. But,
1: yeah, not not that, not that we split the two... So meaning as in an imperative in life and meaning yes. as the ability to experience things in abstract
2: terms. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah. focus on the first, right? Yes. It's, yes. it's more practicable to mm. do so. You know? mm. Okay, yeah. Then, in that,
0: in that case, uh, I agree with you that if there is no ethical uh, realm, then it's still meaningless. Because then you have no... You have no unit of measurement for
2: uh, what you should be pursuing. Yeah. Yeah. Would you? Would you... Would you think there is a need for measurement? Would you think that, that needs to even if even needs to exist in the first place? Hmm. I think it's necessary for a direction. I guess. Um,
0: yeah. So you you could say that uh, these kinds of things surface on their own. Value in of itself is something that. Uh, precipitates from our daily lives like we don't even have to be talking of religious terms let's say uh, body standards for example that's that's a a value system that we impose on ourselves Uh, a goal that we strive towards a direction that we try to hit towards and any action that takes you in that direction is an ethical meaning to you right yeah is that right yeah yeah, Maybe not even ethical, but I guess principle. Okay, yes. P- principle meaning, yeah. So, in that sense, uh, I think, yes, it's necessary to have this kind of direction-based approach. Uh, not only because I think it's good for us, but I think because it surfaces naturally on its own. Yeah. Like, like I mean, us as humans, we we inevitably create values for ourselves, yeah. So, I mean, that alone is, I think, enough for me to conclude that having a goal to strive towards is, uh, is important, yeah. Okay, this, this ties up relatively nicely uh, with mortality because at the end of the day, we are creatures that uh, crave fulfillment in terms of heading towards a goal, then the mere fact that mortality is built into ourselves means that there is a finite amount of time to achieve that that goal that we would like, or at least to to progress further on that goal. If you had infinite number of days to get into uh, a beachboard, then, I mean, I'd just wait like 500 years and then do it. But if I had 60 days left to do it, let's say after 60 days, I could never get a beach ball again, then that's, that's...
2: You struggle with all your might to yeah, achieve correct. it because you want it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and because I don't have enough time to do it. Yeah, so I think, yeah, it's back to that idea of blindness, right? It's the fleetingness of things that give it meaning.
0: Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah.
1: Like... Say you had the choice, over and over again, should I get a beach board? Mm. Eventually, it'll become meaningless, right? It's like, why? Mm. Why bother?
0: Yeah, it's all arbitrary,
1: true. if you keep doing it over and over again, right? Infinite times.
2: Mm.
1: Where you have the opportunity to summer glow up an infinite number of times. Is there anything that exists uh, that still has meaning even though you do it infinite
0: of times? Do you, was there like a... Like a little caveat that Nietzsche added. No. no. So it means that everything that is that exists will be,
1: become meaningless if you have this uh, infinite... I think that's why he posits the original mm. text was German. Oh, okay. And extremely
2: difficultly worded. <laughs> yeah, Nietzsche, So, Nietzsche's <laughs> so pain. Did, um, this whole idea was something very relevant to like this book. I like mm. been i read last year and i just reread so that i could like like discuss this whole sort of thing mm. like if you heard of this book called man's search for meaning
0: exactly.
2: yeah have you read it no i didn't but yeah it's it, it's quite it comes out quite often in yeah. most in most books discussing meaning itself yeah. right or conversations. yeah what what about it Do you read it no i haven't read it it's actually a really really good read like actually i found it to be a how do you call it he used the. The, his experience in the concentration camp mean mm. like as a jew to to justify the fact that um because even though um, all these prisoners lived lives of absolute suffering they still found meaning in every action they did mm. be true suffering or through living each day because every time they suffered it, it was for a purpose you know mm. in every action they took in, in, in their time in the camp, had purpose and meaning to it. You know? Mm. Okay, thanks.
0: Okay, yeah, so... It's the idea of purpose, right? And I, I think it's related to... Uh, the fact that meaning has to be related to purpose. And, and in some sense, uh, if you take it on a uh, religious scale, then uh, God-given purpose is the most meaningful thing you can pursue. For one right. of a religious person. Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why sometimes if there is no God then uh, nihilism is what follows because
2: now there is no such thing as purpose, so now there is no such thing
0: as meaning. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like how if like it's like how I it's how like people often say, tell it this, you know, if if God doesn't exist, why don't you just do absolute evil stuff? Mm. Why do you just kill yourself right now? Like, yeah. aren't you still acting in situation? Aren't you acting acting morally? If in the existence that God might still exist, hmm. that's why you're acting morally. Hmm. If not, what's holding you back from doing the most absolutely vile or evil thing that you wanted yeah. to do? Exact your own, your own um, actions just because you seek them. And and I mean, it's a it's a it's a question you have
0: to ask yourself if. You assume that there is no god, you know, like... What reason do I have to continue doing that which is good?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no reason, there's no reason, But you know. I I do think there's very... If there's no conception of religion, I do think there's very little reason to do good. Mm. Good. I mean, you can argue, like, economic and game-theoretic approaches, Mm. like diminishing marginal no returns and all of that but i think philosophically like the most you can do is be morally the most you can strive to be is morally neutral and you can justify that i think like if mm. you take the deontological principle right yeah you guys are familiar with Kant's deontological principle right yeah. are you able to summarize it so you any equation? axiom has to be universal things have to be universal so why can't we do genocide we can't do genocide because you can't universally do genocide Wait <laughs> what? Wait. Okay. Every action, every every axiom, in order to be justifiable, as that's essentially, if you reduce it a lot, it's constantological. Okay. Okay. Maxim is that any axiom or any you know principle must be able to be applied universally to be deemed justifiable. And in yeah. that sense, it precludes things. It tells you what not to do, right? You can't okay. do you can't do things that are unsustainable mm-hmm. universally. So that's why killing is not good, because okay. not everyone can kill. But it doesn't preclude good deeds. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say you should do good deeds, which is what people often misconstrues. True with deontology, it doesn't say you should do good deeds, but good deeds as an axiom can be applied universally, right? It would work if you say, everyone should be nice to your neighbour. But it would not work if you said, everyone should steal and pilfer from your neighbour. Hmm. So I think it's possible philosophically to be, to justify being morally neutral and not doing bad things. Based on the deontological. sense yeah. So it, the answer would just be doing nothing. But I don't think you can justify, well no, you do morally neutral things or don't do morally bad things. What is doing a morally neutral thing? well many things are morally neutral right i mean you can extrapolate right. to infinity but this is morally drinking neutral. <laughs> water is morally neutral existing is morally neutral learning is morally neutral
2: mm. right. but that is right. new making money you are are for not, yourself is morally you neutral. not making a decision it is a new decision because it has no impact like i mean yeah drinking water has impact in the fact that not drinking water will make you die in three days or four days Okay, actually, that's a good point. But the apathy itself is a form of death. The the neutrality that arises from not deciding to take a stance, be it good or bad, results in you having not done anything.
1: You know, but it doesn't say you can't do good. It doesn't oblige you to do good. Because I do think it's very hard to justify good. A non-utilitarian approach to doing good outside religion. But you're not choosing to do bad either. You're not choosing to do anything at all. No, but... The deontological principle precludes doing bad, right? It says, well, I mean, what it identifies as bad. It identifies what's morally negative. Hmm, okay, but I feel like with this deontology... I mean, this is just one example, but it's just the idea that I think you can have some form of a conception of good and evil outside religion, right? Hmm. I mean okay a principle
0: I know that Sam Harris tries to uh, create a moral system outside of religion he's more of the champions of um, uh, uh, ethics without religion yeah because he likes to argue that that uh, the main argument against atheism is nihilism but he says that's not true uh, you can still uh, create your own values so what he? okay I'm completely butchering this, but his entire basis is human welfare.
1: As in, so flourishing so you, life. So it's a utilitarian approach. Um,
0: yes, I would say some sim- similar to that. Yeah, and so he says that you can you can take a look at a set of actions that would uh, promote human life, and then take a look at the set of actions
1: that don't, and then, then Okay, I'm completely butchering this. Interesting, part. but if you yeah. use this human welfare and human life approach, right? Hmm. I do think there's very little justification for it because the underlying assumption is that human life is good.
2: Hmm.
1: But you
0: can you can always take
1: a Darwinian approach to it, which
0: is that uh, if 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 you don't uh, put life as the uh, single most important like the maxim then then things cease to exist and you you, you just and that's it like you, you can't even be around to discuss this anymore
1: yeah but why does perceiving it why does I mean it's that whole is mm. if a tree falls on it for us right yeah, yeah, correct. why does having to perceive it make it the fundamental premise it, it, life needs to exist for the discussion to take place, the physical discussion to take place, and for intelligent beings to comprehend it, right? But it doesn't mean that these ethical considerations don't exist independently of life. Yeah, that's true.
0: I had not have a good argument for that. <laughs> if I read a bit more Sam Harris, maybe I would, but... Yeah, I... I can't really
1: defend his position well. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think there are some principle justifications mm-hmm. to an, a conception of good and bad outside religion. It, it's also, I mean, you know, the harm principle is also one, right? Maximizing pain, minimizing... Maximizing mm-hmm. pleasure, minimizing pain. Yeah. yeah. Like, that also leads to some form of conception of good or evil, mm-hmm. right? That's true. Even though it can get warped at times because it's purely... It's value-judgment-free. Then in that case, the... Like, the
0: really the only way out of it is which one is more true, essentially. And, and...
2: well, it's just... the way you prove that is not by... talking about these things. Yeah. I mean, it's the ground, I'll say you have to ultimately ground it in reality, isn't it? Mm. Like... your... all these are proven by your actions and your decisions. And that's what matters the most, doesn't it? I feel like... like, all these... Um, these ideas exist as different ways for people to justify certain means of living while not objectively right or wrong in any sense or purpose well to to a, to a certain extent can't be objectively right or wrong it still exists and people choose to live their lives based on these ideas or precepts you know there's no wrong in that you know
0: yeah
2: but i mean um doesn't some I mean some ideas of what people find meaning is the meaning of people um, of the idea of love right mm. you find meaning by your love for a partner or your family or like your friends that is where you can find meaning and your your decisions to help um, show your love or the idea that these help you um, express your love is is a form of meaning that a lot of people y- use mm. do and conduct yeah. in the course of their actions of their lives interesting so it goes back to ben's idea of obligation
1: because i think at
2: the
1: mm. most you, fundamental level yeah. love is an obligation right
2: um, do you think love mm. can exist outside obligation or, the, or does, wouldn't the idea that of love being obligation makes it kind of transactional you're obligated well, to i believe. think it does make it well you had you or maybe not obligation, duty,
1: obligation support. Poor or is it
2: phrase.
1: impulse? An impulse you want. Like d- I do think part and parcel of love is a sense of duty, right?
2: Mm, no, I think it's duty I exists th- as a result of love. Yes, I was gonna say that. That's what I'm thinking. Mm. You have duty, you are uh these are means of express there are different ways of expressing the idea of love.
0: Mm. Yeah, correct. Yeah, manifestations of love Yeah
2: You are Dutiful and loyal to your spouse mm. Because you want to show that Your love extends to the, Her and yeah. her only Maybe not even show lah,
0: But that it, it actually does like, yeah.
2: yeah
0: Yeah So oh yeah, love is a different dimension man Nah, like interstellar <laughs> Yeah, actually I just recently rewatched
2: it yeah. I mean Back to what I was talking about by um, Victor's book about Vic, mm. what Victor wrote in Search for Meaning* is about how um, a person should act as if it's their second chance to live their life. Mm. So, whatever action they regretted in the past, or they think they regret doing or not having done, they should act according to those maxims in the present and in the future. Does like that the really feeling of the, re- the feeling of regret, is it? That when deciding how to base your life around these meanings, you should base your, we should base it on the fact that if I were not, if I were to repeat, if I will not give a second chance, would I regret it or not? Mm. By that, so impulsive and itself alone. Would I regret it if I did this decision? For example, um, right now, if I were to go home and start playing uh, Elden Ring for the next three hours and give up on sleep, I would wake up the next day. I couldn't go to I could have retired and might just like be late for a meeting with a friend. Mm. If that causes me regret, if I had a second chance, would I do it again? So structuring a life around these um, um, meanings can help um, propel how you act in the future, you know. Mm. Not sure if that's the correct analogy. He uses that as a as a kind of principle for you to act on. You're always given a question Mm. on how you want to act and you must follow up with an answer in the form of conduct Mm. and your actions that proves Mm. that validates your your consistent meaning. Mm.
0: Right, and I I think it's similar to what uh, I think it's Socrates said uh, that the, the, the way he lives was just he would just listen to his conscience like, it's, it's, it's if, it, if, he, if he felt his conscience saying that he shouldn't do it, he just wouldn't do it. And I know there are like a thousand and one times that-
2: To disprove that or argue yeah, against yeah, it, right? Yeah. 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 So, ways of living, I guess.
1: It's interesting. There are also many arguments. I mean, what is consciousness, right? Well, not consciousness, mm. but what is your conscience? Mm. Like, I was reading an article recently um there's a school of thought that thinks believes that human consciousness is an evolutionary feature that only evolved recently in the last 2000 or so years okay. um and to preface this this idea consciousness is the idea of internal dialogue right the idea that yeah. you can contemplate multiple opinions mm. or you don't have to act on instinct right abstract thought abstract well not necessarily abstract thought i do think it can be independent an independent concept from abstract thought but it's this idea of internal dialogue and your Mm. and self-awareness okay of what your action and being able to consider your actions and stuff like that right and it's interesting because they the argument goes and i can't remember who made the argument exactly but it's a school of thought that human consciousness actually developed recently Recently. and the evidence they use, the anthropological evidence they use for this is that oftentimes in the past what we would now what we would now describe as our own consciousness and internal dialogue people described as divine inspiration from the gods and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and in literature and anthropological and archaeological evidence the idea of internal dialogue and conflict with oneself and the ability to contemplate actions only surfaced more recently. Hmm. So if it's an evolutionary feature, then back to this Socratic idea of just listening to your consciousness, is that in itself arbitrary? Is it is it just a reflection of our biology? The very
0: last thing, just to wrap up this, was just a fun question, which is which one would you choose? As in, which kind of afterlife you would choose if you had to choose? Yeah. Okay, this being uh, no afterlife, heaven or hell, reincarnation, or the infinite thing.
1: I think I'd rule out. I think I'd rule out um, reincarnation because I dislike this idea of a karmic system Mm. because I think humans are fundamentally flawed and i mean maybe it's my christian sensibilities but I like the idea of grace la. Mm. because i think it's impossible for humans to strive to Perfect. the ethical ideals we set out for ourselves mm. and if we're living by a karmic system we're just gonna fall short woefully mm. and then live life as a pig
2: I don't know, because like, I wouldn't consider myself like, like heavily religious, so like honestly the idea of afterlife is like pretty neutral, because mm. I would consider that the fact that me right now, while I'm still alive, I'm not really going to consider, because if the effect of heaven or hell doesn't doesn't really face me, then I'm more concerned of how I'm willing to live my current life right now, but you know, if I had to choose, probably reincarnation, because mm. If I could relive a different life, with not a hundred percent memory of what I lived in this life, but with a with certain knowledge and maturity, I think it's uh, even if I didn't remember, I think it's the most. I'll say, it just appeals to me the most. I guess, mm. you know.
0: I think it stems from the fact that maybe in this this life right now is the most vibrant, maybe. Do you think?
1: What do you mean by this
0: life is the most vibrant? As in for for hidden. I don't know. That's, that's my guess.
2: Yeah. The most vibrant.
0: It's like if if you were, if your preferred afterlife is reincarnation back here, with uh, limited, foreknowledge. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't
2: know. It seems like you would treasure this world more. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I guess because like, we're kind of enjoying like watching Breaking Bad and Battle for <laughs> back to back right now. You know, like as shallow as all these random things, maybe they still mm. add up to like certain enjoyment, and satisfaction. You you glean from them. Like, what well, was the Rick and Morty quote? Uh, life
1: has no meaning. Everything is useless. Just come inside and watch some TV. Really recalled it.
0: Okay well for me, wow, you see the thing is, everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to go to hell. You, the unfortunate thing is you have to accept, that if you accept one you have to accept the other and therefore the potential of going to one or the other. But um, wow, that being said. Part of me wants there to be no that, just so that you actually, you don't, you
2: don't I feel I like have to bear the, the responsibility think... of actions. I don't know, no, not I don't know re- if it's really. my human
1: sensibility, but anything for infinity just seems mm, yeah. terrifying to mm. me, even if it's you know perfection for infinity. It's anything true. to infinity seems mm, yeah. meaningless, like Nietzsche's idea of wait, right? If heaven me. is
2: internal, it is quite dystopian, right? Nothing changes, yeah, correct. It's just endlessly perfect. It's also confusing to me how it, 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 you could how enjoy can, it. How can yeah. utopia exist in endless blessing? How is yeah. Maybe it's, first, it's guess, divine, which is why we can't perceive it. I guess it. it's
1: the limitation. It's probably, our minds limitation. again, an issue of the limitations of hmm. human perception. With
0: our I current think. logic, it does seem like... Yeah, but within my mean,
1: current frame of reference, it is yeah. quite a terrifying prospect. Like,
2: if I let you eat cakes forever, at some point you get bored of the cakes. You know, but if it was truly a heaven, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even get bored of it yeah, in the first place because you wouldn't have the, the capacity, in that sense, to maybe you have to a, understand. You like, have an infinite number of cakes to think say. Think about yeah. your favorite activity now. Hmm. What would you
1: say your favorite activity now is?
2: But every time your favorite activity start get boring, you will immediately get into the next activity. Maybe in heaven, like you know.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's about like eating a steak. For infinity seems as monotonous, monotonous to me as being Sisyphus and rolling the ball up the slope. Like that wouldn't as, be heavily, as you tend towards yeah. infinity, it Correct. seems identical. Hmm. But then you you could you could you could easily just say that let's say I were immortal, for example. That's life on this earth for infinity, you know, and and Wolverine just wants to kill himself.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Wolverine we'll wants to kill himself, pretty much all the time, I think. But yeah. I
0: no, I, I just I think you can have an endless amount of novelty in heaven, yeah.
2: Because that's what it's designed to be, you know. Yeah. And because like the concept of it would just be eradicated, perhaps in our minds, mm. if it exists. Well, but that that
0: that scares me. That's the real one that scares me—the fact that it enforces that on you. No, know that you're you're kind of uh, you lose a certain part of free will. In, some sense like you are now tricked to think that everything is good
1: yeah exactly I don't know. yeah it's a, it's a perfect utopia, which goes to the standard yeah. of meaning right but utopia if, yeah. if you are no if there's no longer if evil is eradicated and there's no longer yeah. a sense of good and evil is there meaning
0: yeah. yeah yeah exactly and and it's like humans crave challenge you know so if there is no such thing as loss, then there is no such, well, thing, as, there's such thing as gain. It, it, the idea of heaven actually to some extent is paradoxical. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, it scares me because it, it's just that it's, it doesn't seem to be able to exist in my mind. Yeah. Which maybe is the
1: point. Mm. It is what we can't comprehend.
2: Therefore it is heaven.
1: You know, it's divine. Mm. And any conception that we can
2: have of heaven would fall short of what heaven is.
0: Yeah.
2: Because if we are not meant to perceive heaven; else, we mm. would be God. Yeah. If I could tell you right now what heaven would be, then that would make me God, and mm. therefore not make me one of you. Which makes sense, mean, right? it makes sense, right? Makes sense. It makes sense. If we could come up with what heaven was, then we just try and create it.
0: Mm.
1: But obviously, that's we true, right? Yeah, that's true. That's why, like, whenever we, we try to create heaven on earth, it always falls short. It's mm. Savio's idea of the metal detector, right? Like we don't know what the diamond is Hmm.
2: and our metal detectors can't try and emulate that I mean, the Tower of Babel is one of it, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it's because they when they try to create the perfect um, the perfect place, Tower of Babel itself God cast away everyone to different parts of the world the perfect utopia cannot exist yeah, and he made racism (laughs) the CEO, (laughs) he is the CEO (laughs) Okay, I mean, I think that's a fitting place to end.